Hi, everybody. This is Pastor Tim from Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire. This is our weekly podcast of the sermon from the prior Sunday. Normally at this time, I have invited everybody to join us for worship at 8, 30, and 11. Uh, but right now we're in the midst of the global pandemic, and so we are not having worship in our building at 8, 30, and 11. Instead, you can find us online doing virtual worship using Zoom. You can find the information for all of that on our website at www.htelc.com. You can also like us on Facebook. And uh, those are the two primary ways in which to find our links to have worship with us. So it doesn't matter where you are, as long as you have an internet connection, you can join us for worship. So thank you for listening. We hope that you find the sermon meaningful and purposeful, that it connects to your life and how you interact with the world. And most of all, it reveals God's infinite love for you and all of creation. Thank you, Jill and Jerry. And now for the reading of the gospel. Today's gospel comes from Mark, the first chapter, verses 9 through 15. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. The Gospel of the Lord. Uh, I didn't mention it before, but today is the first Sunday of Lent. Um, So that sets the stage for the sermon and the scripture. I'll talk a little bit about that at the beginning, but I just wanted to recognize we have left Epiphany and we have entered into the season of Lent. Hey, everybody. I'm going to try something different. I'm sitting in my office. I just needed a change of pace as opposed to uh, standing in the sanctuary and preaching out to an empty sanctuary with the camera so far away. So different change of pace. Here I am in my office and maybe... It'll feel more like a bit of a conversation or me talking to you. You're at your desk or your couch or your table. Here I am at a table also, and we're talking back and forth. So here we are on the first Sunday of Lent. Now, traditionally, the first Sunday of Lent always has the temptation of Jesus. But you notice in today's gospel lesson, We get the temptation of Jesus, but we also get two other stories. We actually, the temptation of Jesus only takes three verses. Because we're getting readings from the Gospel of Mark this year, and one of the characteristics of the Gospel of Mark is that it is the shortest of all the Gospel lessons. It doesn't give a lot of detail. It just boom, 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 boom. You hear one story after another. You'll hear Jesus do something, and then you see the word, then he goes somewhere else. Or immediately... He goes, uh, but he moves quickly throughout. And so in the passage we get today, yes, we get the temptation, but we get the baptism of Jesus first, the temptation of Jesus, and then we get John the Baptist being arrested and Jesus saying, repent, uh, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. 
So because the temptation of Jesus is traditionally the one that follows always on the first Sunday of Lent, I want to focus on that. But we don't have a lot to go with from this one. Because like we said, we only have three verses. We don't hear about uh, Jesus, you know, the Satan saying to Jesus, look out everything. I will give you everything if you just bend the knee, to use a Game of Thrones phrase. Or we don't get Jesus being out there and starving and Satan saying, if you're so hungry, then these turn these stones to bread, for you ought to be able to do that. And we don't get that third temptation that comes in the other gospel lessons, um, where we hear about uh, Satan saying, throw yourself off the cliff, and the angels will come and rescue you. We hear angels are there waiting on him, but we don't hear about them potentially saving him if he throws himself off the cliff. Instead, the only details we really get are Jesus is out there 40 days. The wild beasts are there. It doesn't say good, bad, how they treated him, just that he's among the wild beasts. I think that's more about setting the stage that he's out there away from everything else and that the angels waited on him. So in some way, he was not alone, even though he was alone from everybody else. But the detail I wanted to focus on a little bit that intrigued me that we are given is out there for 40 days. Why was Jesus there for 40 days? We know it corresponds that numbers that number 40 is important. It corresponds to 40 years in the wilderness, right? Uh, as the Israelites were rescued out of slavery from Egypt, right? Moses rescues them out. They cross the Red Sea. The Red Sea collapses. Pharaoh's uh, army is destroyed, and now they go out to the promised land that they are given. But they didn't trust God, and God had them wander in the wilderness for 40 years. But then I wondered, why 40 years? 40 days for Jesus, 40 years from Israelites, why 40 years? And I had to look this story up. I don't know if anybody, any of you know it. But as they were going from, or going into, toward the promised land, it should have actually only been an 11-day trip. But so as they're going out, uh, Moses and the leaders decide we need to scout out this land. So they spend 12 spies to go scout out the land that they are supposedly, that's filled with milk and honey that God is giving them. So these 12 spies go out. And they see that it's occupied. And they see the people that are there and they think, oh, there's no way we are going into this land. Um, nope, we're going to go back and tell stories about it so we don't have to do what God said. So these 12 spies go back and 10 of them lie. Two of them tell the truth. We're not going to worry about that. But the vast majority of them lie about it. And they say it is filled with giants. Giants, there's no way we can overtake these people. They're going to be way too strong. Giants. And this land is, it's not milk and honey. This land is devouring people, right? It's, it, it's not inhabitable for people like us. Maybe the giants can survive there, but for us common folk, no way. This land just destroys people and eats them up. And so the people decide, oh, maybe we shouldn't go forth and go into this land that supposedly God has promised to them. And so what does God do? Because they don't trust, God says, 
uh, oh, and these 12 spies took 40 days to do it. I forgot to add that point. The spies spent 40 days to do it. So what does God say? You took 40 days to, to do that and uh, didn't trust. So now you're going to have to wander the desert for 40 years. A whole generation will pass, right? So the people that came out of Egypt, they will not be the ones that make it into the promised land. All of them, 40 years all of them will pass away and it'll be a whole new people that make it into the promised land. So that's why 40 years. Jesus is there 40 days. So this is my thought as I think about it. Jesus was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days. The Israelites, and right, and is he going to trust God's word? That's the thing about Jesus. Is he going to trust? That's why you notice every time you hear about the baptism of Jesus, you, or you hear about the temptation of Jesus, you always hear about the baptism right beforehand. What happens at baptism? God proclaims, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. What do we proclaim at your baptism? You are God's child. You are loved. Jesus is baptized, and then he's tempted. And he's tempted to by, are you going to trust what God has said about you? Are you going to trust what God proclaims? The Israelites, God proclaimed. They didn't trust. They wandered the wilderness for 40 years. I wonder, when we don't trust, it's not that God gives us, puts us in this wilderness as this punishment. Instead, when we don't trust our baptism, have we created our own wilderness that we are now living in? Are we creating now our own misery at some level because we don't trust what God has said about us, has said about you, has said about our neighbor, has said about the people we love, what God has said about the people we hate and how we should treat those people that we hate or those people that hate us? Have we created our own wilderness because we've succumbed to the temptation of other voices, of other words, of other ideas and haven't trusted what God has said? I think about the problems going on in the world. Are they ones that have just happened through no fault of anybody else's? Or are they ones that have been created because greed, which comes because I need more, because what God said hasn't, isn't enough, right? <laughs> have they come because of lust? Because I haven't trusted what God has said, there's more? Have they has the wilderness created around us been has the wilderness around us been created do you see where i'm going at it right i look at there's hunger going on in the world i know this is going to simplify the problem but are people hungry because there's not enough food or are there other things going on in the world that have kept people hungry I look at poverty going on in the world. Is it that there's not enough money? Or are there other things going on that are perpetuating because we don't trust God's, what God's, God's love in the world? I look at war 
Does war perpetuate because we don't trust God's love or what God has said in the world? We've given into the temptation of these other voices that are so alluring, that are so seductive, that are so tempting. Because they promise, if only you had, then you would. Mm. Doesn't that sound good? But the voice of God says, You are my child, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. The voice of God says the kingdom of God has come near. It's not this far away, off, distant place that we're just waiting to go to when we die. Rather, in some way, we get to experience it here, now, among us. That's the the struggle, their idea, the, the thoughts of Lent is during Lent we acknowledge the ways in which we have been tempted and given in. That we've created our own wilderness, both collectively and individually. And to name it, to repent from it, to return to who we are in the beginning, right? This is the thing. We are baptized by doing nothing to deserve it. You are God's child. And then we could follow that or we can veer off into a different path. So often we veer off into the other path. When we repent, we acknowledge, oh my gosh, we veered. Let me return to the path that God has called me to. We return to it. And when we return, we see God's kingdom a bit more clearly. We see God's kingdom a bit more vibrantly. We see, we experience God's kingdom a bit more often, a bit more frequently. Right? So we're on this journey of Lent. This is only the first Sunday. But our, our task isn't only about one day. Our task is a lifestyle. To continually return to Remember who we are. Martin Luther talked about baptism being a daily occurrence. It happens once, but we remember it every day. It's like we should wake up in the morning. When you're in the shower, when you're washing your face, whenever you might be doing, there's water nearby, you're washing your hands, you're filling up the coffee pot. Grab some water, get your hand wet underneath it, and you should go, I am baptized, period. I am baptized. And I'm going to live from my baptism today. I know I'm going to hear these other voices. I know I'm going to hear these other temptations. I know I'm going to hear these other ideas. But because I am baptized, that's where I'm going to live from. So right now, it's okay if you don't have water around you. I'm not going to ask you to spit on your fingers. That'd be a little bit gross. Take your finger. And say, I am baptized. Or if you're with somebody, go to them. You are baptized. Amen.